kaboom, you know what time it is, wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, oh, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC, especially if you're staying home, doing the right thing, using us maybe to help you get through 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness, because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week. Delivered the way we love it to be, and that is completely free, thanks to our sponsors this week, ExpressVPN, Audible, and Squarespace. Squarespace! They're bringing the show to you, DLC, of course, the show, all about games and their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Canada. that's spelled with two N's and one T, and I am not joined by my nemesis christian spicer this week no 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 we got an upgrade christian has moved into a new house this weekend and there's no internet there uh he got uh, he got spectrumed <laughs> because spectrum internet uh was not able to set up his internet service at his new home in time so he is unable to be with us which means dear listener you're in for a treat because I uh, I went to our new go to. We have we have several go tos, and we're appreciative of all of them. But I am so glad to have with us. You know her from Santa's sleigh. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! <laughs> and, and as as a, uh, an artist, what is your exact title? Lead lead artist, senior animator, senior animator at Riot Games. Our friend. Lana Bashinsky is back with us. Hey, Lana. Hi. Uh, yes, I am a senior animator, and I have immediate regrets for conversation just before the show. But <laughs> I am very happy to be here, and I am delighted for the uh, you know little bump that took yeah. off the bench and uh, put me in coach. Yeah, so. and you're, you've you've moved up to second chair, uh, yes. which I'm I'm so happy about. Uh, and I I the way to get people to keep coming back and move up to chairs is to completely sell out when they have. Uh, trusted me with information about their past it's just completely just yeah. spoil it for everyone just say it out loud as soon as you did that i was like man i can't wait till the next time that i can define this <laughs> offer <laughs> uh but uh that's not all dear listener you know that we usually have three co-hosts on this show which means dlc always stands for your downloadable canada but this week i'm so excited because dlc stands for Double L Companions, because we've already introduced Lana. And now, from the Xbox Expansion Pass podcast, we are joined, once again, by Luke Lore. Hey, Luke! Hello, thank you for having me back on the show, and I'm sure if needed I can submit some uh, traumatic childhood memories to be brought up (laughs) uh, as necessary. Thanks for having me back, man. It's so exciting. Absolutely. Thanks for being back. Uh, we We got a lot to dig into this week. Um, there's lots of news and lots of games, video games, you know, we may be in turbulent times for sure, but video games remain, I think, uh, the thing everybody seems to be turning to even more than, than movies and TV. It seems like we need, we need an escape and I'm so happy to escape into uh, video games for a little bit of time. So let's jump right in and start the show the way we always do with story of the week. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. 
or by visiting our subreddit. That's 5x5dlc.reddit.com. But Luke, you are our guest, so you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week? Goodness, there are there are a bevy of things to talk about uh, for this week, but I chose one that that was heartwarming. Something that you guys do on the show pretty regularly is try to bring up the good in the gaming verse and and talk about a lot of the positive things. And uh, I came across the numbers as they were put out uh, via a couple of publishing outlets uh, and press releases, and that Xbox Game Pass numbers are up over ten million. And that is huge news for, for a lot of business reasons. But buried within that article was that, uh, within, since March, Game Pass numbers have, have, I'm sorry, Game Pass members have added 23 million friends on Xbox Live, which is up 70% for, for a growth rate in friendship rates, meaning people on, on, on Game Pass or in Xbox world are creating friendships while they're social distancing. And that just to me was, a, a wonderful, wonderful story to be noted that while we're all struggling right now, there are friendships being made. Yeah, 70% increase in friendship. That's amazing. <laughs> That's what a quantifiable thing. It's quantifiable <laughs> friendship. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I, uh, that is a huge – 10 million Game Pass subscribers mm-hmm. uh, is – this is from 41 different countries mm-hmm. and clearly uh, – I think we've talked about it on the show over and over and over again, but it bears repeating once again is what an incredible value Xbox Game Pass really is. And especially during this time when you are stuck at home and you need, uh, you, you know, it'd be nice to play a lot of variety of different games. There are over 100 games on Game Pass. It's so awesome. Just the feeling of, oh, um, Gears Tactics came out this week and I have it. Oh, Streets of Rage 4 came out this week, and I have it. There's no additional fee for me to play these brand new games that I'm excited about. I just already have them. I I really want more competition in this space. I want there to be the Amazon Prime streaming to Xbox Game Pass's Netflix. You know, I, I'm I'm ready for some other company to offer this kind of incredible value and keep Microsoft honest and keep them innovating and offering great deals to to gamers because this is a phenomenal service and I, I love the fact that it exists. And it's, it feels so appropriate for the unfortunate circumstances we're in. I mean, the, lots of people seem, seemingly are taking advantage of it, building relationships and playing games they would not have played otherwise. I know I have in my extra time of late explore genres and games more so that are outside of my comfort realm. And that's certainly what it is. And I agree with you. I'm ready for PlayStation now to take on a mantle that is uh, a bit more competitive with Game Pass uh, and the same to be said for a number of other online services. But they're behaving like they have competition right now. And that is that is very good for gamers and great for someone like me who's a budget gamer. Yeah. And it's going to be interesting to see as we we find out more about Xbox Series X, I think, Maybe next week, maybe by the time you're listening to this, dear listener, uh, you'll have heard, I think the 7th, there's a big event. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm I'm expecting and I'm hoping that Xbox Game Pass is a centerpiece around which the next generation of Xbox hardware is uh, is geared and i you know i can only imagine that that it'll be more exciting to hey have all these new games that are going to be announced all say hey they're going to be part of xbox game pass day and date i mean that's just it's just really awesome um mm-hmm. and what you said about trying new different kinds of games and different genres 
just today I, I did, I tweeted because my son um, is, we, we've been playing a lot of switch. We've been playing a lot of Mario games as I'm kind of introducing him to video games as a thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know he's into building things and he loves uh, Hot Wheels tracks and stuff and and these wooden uh, railroad tracks. And I tweeted out, hey, does anybody have any recommendations for a three and a half year old? Uh, you know, something that is about fostering creativity. I know about Minecraft, but what else? They said tracks, didn't they? Tracks. I didn't even know this thing existed. And it, it was on Xbox Game Pass. It's uh-huh. it literally a wooden train set simulator where you can just build tracks and move. I mean, it's exactly what he does with the real wooden tracks, um, but he now can do it in the virtual space and create tracks that can't physically exist, right? He can build them up in the sky and all around these virtual living rooms. Uh, and so he was loving it. it, it and it, this is a game that I probably would have bought, but I didn't need to because I already had game pass. It's pretty great. Pretty great. That, that's um, the cool thing. Um, it's cathartic to play games like that. And they made a point of saying that like 30% of their library is family friendly. Also a good marketing speak uh, for sure. But yeah, games like that are cathartic just to, to enjoy your childhood and play through it. Because everybody, will, if they see it, will know exactly what you're talking about. They'll, they'll see those tracks and be like, oh, I played with that when I was a kid, yeah. you know? And I especially think like when it comes to like the 70% growth in friendship rate, a lot of people are looking for things that are maybe – this is not a diss on Jackbox, but maybe are not Jackbox games, like a world right. where they can just like meet online and hang out in. And I don't know, you know, the social systems in tracks per se, but I do know that like sort of silly games like that, that are like, ah, we're just going to hang out. And mostly this is a platform for us to chat and stay connected. Uh, but also why not build some silly ramps or something like that? So yeah, I definitely think I mean, that stuff like that's cool for even adult generation. For sure. Yeah. Lynn, I would, I would imagine that some percentage of that 70% is a whole bunch of people who are like, Hey, you know, uh, I never added you on Xbox, but you know, cause, cause we usually hang out in IRL, but do you want to just play a game online? You know, I feel like there has to, with that amount of growth and quote unquote friendship rates, it's gotta be a lot of people who are just like, hey, I never, just, I never added you, you know, <laughs> we, yeah. we can do this now. This could be the thing we do. Yeah. Um, and I'm, know. Con- I know that I'm constantly on the hunt. For games where I, that I can play with some pals because, man, I'm so over Jackbox games. And I'm like, I know all of you have a system. Let's put it to good use. Right. So, yeah, you were, you were talking to us about a Sea of Thieves and stuff. Uh, uh, Raft, actually. Oh, Raft. That's right. Raft, That's what yeah. So yeah. I, haven't, I haven't played Sea of Thieves, but definitely stuff like that has been good for the social connection and playing a game with fairly low stakes. I guess high stakes in the sense that you die if you don't feed yourself, but it feels very silly and just a good way to stay connected. Well, 10 million subscribers is a pretty uh, impressive number. And I think it's only going to go up from there um, because it, it, I mean, it, it just seems like a steal right now, this amount of value of 10 bucks for Xbox alone, 15 for um, with PC games included. And there's just so much stuff. I mean, just scrolling through the Xbox game pass library is, is like, Man, it's just great game after great game. And so many of the great games, I, I mean, I just bought, um, we're, you were going to talk about it later, uh, Luke, because you you played it, um, uh, Deliver Us the Moon. I just bought that on Steam during a Steam sale, and then mm-hmm. it gets added to Xbox Game Pass. Part of me, that Christian brings this up all the time. Do you just wait now? Is it just like, well, it'll eventually come to this service that I already own, <laughs> especially with a lot of these indie games. I feel bad not giving money to the developers, but so many of them, it's like, well, it's going to come to these 
services, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I've had the the cool opportunity with XEP to interview a couple developers who have put their games onto Game Pass, and many of them seem pretty high on the service and that that they feel compensated for it. And in Deliver Us the Moon's case, they were out on PC and people liked it, but when they hit Game Pass, they saw a huge boost in in uh, in reach, and people were getting excited for it. And suddenly, the developers are tweeting in, "Thank you for playing our game. Thank you for this. We love the feedback. This is really cool." And it's that's the kind of game that, again, suits a, a frustrating situation that we're all in, but it's not action heavy. You're not dying from any terrible things. You're playing through a story and a narrative and like you could sit on the couch with your husband or wife or your partner, whomever, and enjoy a story game that's not super stressful. As, like it's, it's, it's cool. And whether or not you wait or not, I mean, there's so much to play. You certainly could. You certainly could. Well, it is a it's a it's a big number and it's a, an impressive achievement. And I hope I wanted Stadia to be the big competitor to that, but it doesn't seem like they are interested in being that yet, at least. Uh, Lana, you are up. What is your story of the week? Um, my story of the week. I am so glad that Luke did not take this for his story of the week because I would have had to be like, oh yeah, I'll find another one. Because I'm so excited about this one that. I'm really all I want to do is talk about it. And it is Jeff Keighley has announced the Summer Games Fest. Ah. Um, so, uh, according to the article, it will span four months and include news and events from a variety of publishers and platform holders. There's a long list here, but it includes 2K Games, Activision, Blizzard, Bandai Namco, Bethesda, Bungie, CD Projekt Red, Digital Extremes, EA, Riot. You know, got to throw that one in there, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> um, and maybe it's just, you know, missing the or the early months of the year game dev conference style, exciting video gamey things that I usually attend like GDC or E3. But this is just so exciting to me. I love the idea of being able to be connected and get excited about things. I've certainly missed my, um, my e- I don't think E3 would have actually happened yet. Right? No, June. Yeah. June. June. Yeah. It, it does seem like we've lived four years uh, in the last month, but yeah, no, it's but June. I, yeah. I was future missing my <laughs> yeah. my live tweeting experience of uh, watching the uh, press conferences online. Right. Yeah. Like just knowing that wouldn't, wouldn't be happening. And this is just such a cool alternative. Like that's online. And it just seems like where the future might have been heading anyways. So it's cool to see it maybe bumped up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's difficult to recall before COVID changed everything, but Four times. Jeff Keighley pulled. Yeah. Right. The BC, they call it. Yeah. Um, the Jeff Keighley pulled out of E3 before there wasn't going to be an E3, right? He, yeah. he made his announcement that there were, he wasn't going to be participating in this E3 while we still thought there was going to be one. And we, surmised at that time that there might be some other Jeff Keighley organized event that he was, you know, taking his talents to to South Beach, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, and it, this seems to be what that is, right? This Summer Game Fest uh, is an expansion of the Game Fest idea that he's done before. And, you know, I guess instead of E3 being four or five days, now it's going to be four months. So, I'm ex- I, cool, I guess. Yeah, I'm interested to to see how that breaks down, whether it's like like a couple big press conferences, like one per month or something like that. And then it spans four months with like playable demos and stuff, which they've they've announced that there'll be yeah. um 
like content for people to play at home that is ex- exclusive to the fest. Um, so maybe those just last four months. And so it's all considered part of it. Um, yeah. but either way, even though he pulled out this year, for some reason, I wasn't expecting something so soon. Right. I was expecting like, oh, he's going to, you know, he's going to do Conan O'Brien where he's like, okay, I'm off TV for a year, but then I come back big with something exciting. Um, <laughs> right. So yeah, I think this is going to be a really cool way to see a bunch of cool content through the summer. I'm really co- fascinated by the the level at which he's announcing it. That's a long time. Four months is a long time. And I'm curious, are we going to be seeing Skype interviews with developers? Are we going to be having discussions kind of like Microsoft GameStack did? Is it going to be, uh, you know, VOD announcements? We know the inside Xbox launches it. How much of this is live versus pre-recorded? I, that's the stuff I'm really interested to see is how he tackles this problem. Because only Jeff Keighley could unite the industry in, in this way, seemingly. You know, to bring so <laughs> yeah. many people on board. It's it's a really cool idea. And I think it offers a really positive feel-good story for people that might just need something to look forward to at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm very curious if there was a plan for it to not be an all-digital event at a certain point. If there was going to be some sort of uh, live conference or even, you know, series of live moments. Uh, I'm very curious what... I, we may never know the answer to that, but uh, now it is an all digital event, and uh, I'm assuming a lot of the reason for that is is the world today. But um, it's an interesting opportunity, you know. I I'm I'm curious. I'm also excited, like you are, Lana. But I I wonder if the the stretching this out over that long of time will not feel quite as exciting as four days in June, where like all the stuff is announced. You know? Yeah. Um, I feel like but if, I, if he has like benchmark events that are like four, again, like one per month, it's four months, right? May? Yeah, May to remember. August. Yeah, four months. Um, yeah. Uh, so if there's like one per month and there's sort of like a beacon of, of being excited every time, I could see that being like an interesting way to stay engaged with the content. But the way I'm kind of picturing it is either like one big thing per month or there's like a kickoff weekend. And there right. is sort of like a back-to-back, more conference sort of feel or convention kind of feel. And then yeah. it's four months of demos that are available. Like I, I picture think, it like an yeah. in-game event for like, oh, there's an event happening in uh, League of Legends. It's going to last three weeks, but it's not like in your face all the time. You just kind of know or like there. a like a Steam summer sale type thing. Yes. Where it's yeah. I think I think that actually you might be onto something there. That that it, it will feel more like tune in for the big you know, for lack of a better word, press conferences, mm-hmm. but the actual moment of this lasts four months because we're talking about all these things and then there's new demo drops and all the demos you can download. And I think it'll feel more like a steam summer sale of like, you know, log into the website and see what's on the summer game fest download <laughs> slate, you know, today. It'd be, very, it'd be very cute if there were like daily quests, you know, to like sign <laughs> in well, and, would be cool. and get something from it. What I'm trying to say, yeah. Luke, is I'm also excited to see how he, figures it out. And also Jeff put me in. I don't know what you need, but I will be (laughs) there. I am so excited for this event and uh, can't wait to see how it shakes out. For sure. Um, But I think the two of you have both left me with the most exciting uh, story of the week. Personally. (laughs) Sorry, dude. (laughs) I am so excited for Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I know we all knew it was coming. I know that there's really kind of surprising nobody, 
but we got the official name. We got the official, you know, first trailer. We got some info about it. I think it's going to be part of the big Xbox Series X game reveal stream uh, in a few days. So we're going to get probably some in-game footage there. But I I tweeted this and I will repeat it here. I find myself shocked to be uh, noting Assassin's Creed among my favorite franchises right now because there were there's like a decade of my life where I kind of didn't care about Assassin's Creed, you know? Just the first however many games of Assassin's Creed I was like, yeah, those are cool. I mean, okay, but it's not really my thing. And then Origins and really especially Odyssey is what turned me into this huge Assassin's Creed fan. Valhalla certainly looks like more of that direction, which has me so thrilled. This full third-person action RPG environment, uh, but doing it, you know, with sort of uh, historically accurate or semi-historically accurate uh, Vikings. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in. So hard. Uh, The trailer is awesome. Yes, probably a lot of CG, although they say it's in engine, so that's kind of rad. You get to... um, you're going to get to do some raids and stuff. And then it looks like more of the same, which is totally fine by me as a person who put in over a hundred hours into Odyssey. I, this might be my most anticipated game of the year. It's coming out holiday 2020 on series X PlayStation five and all the uh, legacy consoles as well. Uh, Luke, what do you think, man? Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Are you excited? I'm big time in on this one. I like you have a, have an interesting history with Assassin's Creed. Sometimes they clicked, sometimes they didn't. I think Black Flag was my favorite. And then I, I really loved Origins and I liked Odyssey a lot. Uh, that formula of checking boxes can be so cathartic and therapeutic to just go through and clear the map out. On the other hand, it's a lot to do. Um, and so like I'm already intimidated and nervous. Like, all right, can I handle this game? And of course, I am going to dive in uh, wholeheartedly. The art looks incredible. The art style is just stunning. The visuals, I mean, as you expect uh, next-gen stuff to look. I mean, it's on legacy systems, yeah, but it's going to be smart-delivered and upscaled, and I'm excited to to see that. I love the customization stuff they're adding in there. They 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 clicked all the right boxes for marketing speak, and I'm, I'm stoked for it, uh, to say the least. That special edition also looks really cool. Um, I'm just curious, how does this tie into Assassin's Creed? Because the weakest part of Assassin's Creed for me has always been the, the real world stuff. And some games dive full into that. Others kind of just ignored it and did, did it on their own. I'm curious how they tie that in there, but absolutely all in. I don't know about uh, Lana, but I'm I'm stoked for this. Yeah, I mean, it's a, I, even if they, they do what they did in Odyssey, where it's like just two scenes in the modern world, that's, that's, that's fine. I don't mm-hmm. care if that's fine. Yeah, enough exactly. That. Anyway, Lana, what, what were you going to say? You're gonna boot up the game and it's gonna be like you get it and then it's just gonna be vikings <laughs> yes yeah, right? there you I mean, go. that's basically what they did with odyssey too it was like yeah yeah we we got to do this because it's assassin's creed and yeah it's you're in a simulation but like you know for they, they even said that the, the first time that you're in the real world it's like are you sure you want to go back because you're not going to be here back here for a long time <laughs> it's like <laughs> so yeah yeah i thought the trailer was gorgeous i loved the um the dialogue that's happening over top that's saying all the, like the, the worst, I guess, Viking stereotypes. And then it shows yeah. them like, Oh, they're playing with their kids. It's just like a very sort of beautiful take on it and showing like yeah. all sides of it. And of course, man, I did not realize that was an engine because dang, it was gorgeous. Ooh, it looks so good. Um, but 
Um, I feel somewhat comfortable saying this because I know that, Jeff, you have to read the mail that comes in about people being disappointed, but I've never played any Assassin's Creed ever. Oh, really? really? Yeah. Are you, are, are you into, you know, like third person action RPGs? Oh my God. That's my stuff. That is my jam. I just, it, it, the first ones came out at a time where I definitely didn't have a way to possibly play it. And then, I mean, what is like one every year, and so every- totally ignore, ignore everything. Just get, <laughs> just get Odyssey. It's like I think it's on sale for like twenty bucks right now. I, I was reading. People- I've seen a lot of Odyssey. It's gorgeous. I know. Oh, I know a so lot good. about it, but I've I've never had a time where I sat down to play it. So I think that maybe I'll just let this upcoming one be my introduction into it because I, I you know. That's a cool, that's a super cool thing to do. Let that be your first one, particularly on the bridge of a system uh, mm-hmm. era. That'd be that's that's how Black Flag got me. But one thing I must credit Ubisoft with is they listened to their fans and feedback. I mean, I I loved the the idea in Origin. So you could be you could OP yourself. You could go and quest out and get really strong, and then go back to areas, and you would you would just wipe the floor with anybody odyssey didn't do that and some people loved that some did not i was in the camp that was like oh bummer and they added that in there as a as an optional feature and they they consistently listen to p- their feedback and i think that's a, a cool aspect to the assassin's creed franchise and uh i'm 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 hopeful for you if you do dive in what a cool time to jump into it because it's going to be the zeitgeist everyone's going to talk about it because it's on every system it's not an exclusive everyone's gonna have access you'll be part of a conversation that's likely going to be uh extensive yeah i'm i'm super excited about it and they definitely i mean even just the fact that you can play as either a male or a female and let like do a lot of character customization in that facet is from massive fan outcry right like i feel like i know a lot about assassin's creed because i've studied the animation so much because it's gorgeous um but uh yeah never never played it the i played as cassandra in in odyssey the the female lead version and they do a really clever thing in that game where they are brother and sister and you choose your you choose which of them you're going to play as very early in the game and the other one is part of the fiction still so it's not just this sort of disembodied uh this character that character they're actually characters in the game world and you're choosing which one to make the hero and which one to make an npc that you have to deal with later uh which is really clever and and worked really well because it made it made the the decision seem impactful and felt like you were telling the story of this family in a really interesting way uh and yeah, and if and if that is any indication of how they're going to handle, I guess the character is Ivor. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. E I V O R. I would say uh, Avor. Avor. A- Avor. There's a guy Avor at work whose name is Einar, so I'd say oh, Avor. Nice. Uh, very cool. Um, so this time, I guess the character is going to be the same name, regardless of uh, male or female decision. Oh. Um, but um, but if it's any indication about how they, you know, have handled that in the past, I'm excited for that. Too and the voice actress they got for Cassandra was so great and I just I just think the world of this series now and it's strange to me to feel that way about Assassin's Creed it really has I mean even after I finished Odyssey it has only grown in my estimation I I, I just think that they did so many things right so many little things right in that game it's, you know I talked about it uh, last week or the week before in regards to Final Fantasy VII you know I'm playing Final Fantasy VII remake and like 
all the little these little teeny decisions that that game makes that I'm like, Assassin's ah, Creed Odyssey did this so much better, and <laughs> and I I just feel like that game and that team I, they say something like um, there's something like 13 different studios working on Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which is crazy to me. Oh my um, gosh. It's a, just an army of people making that game. And yet, it you know, the if past is precedent, you know, it, it holds together so well and becomes this consistent, you know, vision. I, I, I think just that alone is, I don't know how that happens. I don't know how that's possible. But as crazy as holiday 2020 and somehow that feels closer than any of the games that were announced for early this year. Yeah. Well, weeks feel like decades right now. (laughs) So true, man. It's so true. We've only done this, this thing in like a month and a half and it feels like, you know, 15 years of my life have gone by. Um, But speaking of things that are happening sooner than we think, I would be remiss uh, and Christian would not speak to me again if I didn't bring up the fact that Last of Us Part 2 has been moved off of indefinite hold uh, and has a release. For June, it is coming out June 19th, evidently now. Um, this is in the face of some some story leaks that I have been avoiding like the plague. Uh, I guess I can't say like the plague anymore. That's a little too close to <laughs> uh, You can still say that you're avoiding the plague. Okay, good. Okay, I'm avoiding them like like COVID-19. That's how I'm, I'm wiping down all my surfaces, trying not to get The Last of Us Part Two spoilers. Um, <laughs> uh so evidently, well, we don't know how much that impacted the move to an actually give it to a uh, release date. Some people are theorizing that it is more due to the fact that Final Fantasy VII Remake came out and sold like gangbusters. So perhaps Sony is going, well, I guess we can sell video games now and don't actually have to have people go into stores to buy them. Uh, regardless, it's happening. It's coming out June 19th. Luke, what do you think? Is is June 19th, is this a good time or are you ready to play a game where a plague has wiped out most of humanity and you're wandering around hoping you don't go through spores? Goodness. Uh, so, well, cheers to that team for getting some good news that that they've got a release date again because they've certainly been through the emotional ringer lately. Um, and I'm all, I'm going to play it. I will play it once. I only played the first game once because it's such an emotional tale that it, i don't feel good when i play the last of us but i was just so impressed by it and what naughty dog put together there and, and Druckmann's team is just in, insanely talented as far as the june 19th release date uh i i don't think it could be better truth be told right there in the middle of summer uh people are, are going to be looking for things to do game fest will be going on i'm sure there'll be something tied in with that exposés or or uh you know, interviews and whatnot going on there. Uh, I'm interested to see how this impacts ghosts uh, or ghost of Tsushima when that comes out, uh, because they'll be closer together than I would have expected, uh, given that they are, are still, as far as we know, launching a system later this fall. Um, I don't think manufacturing issues have hit them badly. We just don't know a lot about the PS five, but they're putting in some serious heavy hitters towards the end of their generation. Uh, Final Fantasy seven, while not an exclusive is a time exclusive. It feels like a PlayStation game. So it's it certainly they are they are certainly ending the generation on, on some serious high notes. So uh, super happy for that team though to get some good news and that it, it's there. They'll go. They'll be able to put some frustrations behind them. Uh, many of them seemingly out of their control. Some of them in there, and I'm just I'm happy they get a shot at, at people getting to play the art that they have created. Yeah, it seems like they were very 
uh, upset at the move to an indefinite delay. Um, mm-hmm. There was a lot of Neil Druckmann, a lot of uh, comments by him saying it wasn't their decision and they were mm-hmm. all very disappointed by it. So yeah, I, I agree with you. It's great to get some good news. Um, Lana, have you ever been working at a studio when there was a big leak on something that you hadn't announced yet? Or have you ever had to deal with that? Oh my gosh. Unfortunately, yes. I think every studio goes through times where things are leaked and just depends on like what subset of your player base actually sees it. But as a developer, you see any subset of your player base seeing a leak and it is like heartbreaking. And of course you can't say anything. There's nothing really that you can do. It's, I think it's, it's, it's awful. It is an awful, awful feeling uh, as a developer to have your... You were working on something that for, for literally years, right? And mm-hmm. then you're building up to show it to everybody and somebody goes, eh, I'm going to poop it out on the internet. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah. So, it's so tough and it's, it's, it's frustrating. It's, it's kind of nice that they're in a position where they can be like, don't check this stuff out. Please don't look at it. Like a- acknowledging the leak. Whereas every product I've worked on, we have to be like, just pretend doesn't exist. But I do think that as developers... Like, at least this is my super subjective take, and it's kind of a hot take. So sorry, I hope I don't offend anyone. It's also, I don't think ultimately it's not going to ruin the game for anyone. And anybody who is so excited to check out your leaks, it sucks that it leaked. But also, isn't it cool how excited people are for it, that they that they want to see that content? It sucks for the person who leaked it. It sucks that somebody would do a malicious act. But like trying to find that little silver lining around it of, but look at the enthusiasm, like look at our players. It's cool to see them being respectful and it's cool to see them being like, let me check it out. Like either way, it's cool. There's a lot of suck, but try, I, I always try and, I always try and find the nugget of, of goodness in bad situations. And it's cool. You to probably see people did. You probably did. You probably rallied the, the community. It certainly rallied a lot of the community to support Naughty Dog yeah. through this. And that, that's a, that's a good feeling too. So I, I, I'm with you on that. That's cool. Yeah. Everybody being like, here's how you mute keywords and like helping each other not get spoiled <laughs> is also right. awesome. Like there's just – it's cool to see those sort of seeds of, of niceness throughout. Yeah. Yeah, and th- I guess there were some rumors that when it first happened that it might have been a disgruntled employee. And I guess that we got word that that is not the case, which is actually I think heartening from my perspective, mm-hmm. um, that it was – I mean, this sucks, but it, it was some sort of hacker that got in and, and found something, um, which is a pretty crappy thing to do, obviously. But at least, you know, it didn't come from somebody inside the, the organization. I yes. think that's good. That would be way worse. Oh, my gosh. I'd be I'd be like, Jim. <laughs> right. It's always Jim. Always Jim. <laughs> uh, Jim, I got bad news. You're going to have to talk to Lana about this one. She is not not pleased. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, one other quick story I wanted to mention before we move out. Um, this is a, a personal one for me because I'm such a, uh, Blizzard and World of Warcraft, uh, nut. And there's a, a new expansion on its way very soon for World of Warcraft. Shadowlands is coming. And I guess some folks have been, uh, in the closed alpha and noticed a new, checkbox, I guess, in the uh, options menu for ray tracing in World of Warcraft. And uh, I I mean, as somebody who has an RTX card and thinks ray tracing is the bee's knees, you know, ever since control and, you know, what, even just looking at Minecraft ray tracing, all that stuff is is very impressive to me. 
I am so glad to see World of Warcraft uh, adopt that, and I just I can't wait to see how the game is going to look—a game of that size and scale and complexity and and so many different biomes and environments. Uh, to see him ray traced, I, I just I can't wait. And Lana, since you're here, mm-hmm. I as somebody who works on art, uh, you used to work at Blizzard as well, but but just in general as an artist who creates video games, I'm so, I marvel at an engine that was created in what? 2002, was it? 2004, something like that. When World of Warcraft came out, like that, that they can keep layering on and making this very old game still look competitive in the market, worthy of a $15 a month fee. Uh, Can you, can you speak to, to that at all? Oh my gosh! I can't speak to that. I can't speak to the to the specifics of of World of Warcraft. But as you were going through this, and as I read that article earlier, I, all I could think about was, oh my gosh! I I can't even process what a massive undertaking that might have been. I don't deal with rendering as an animator. Um, that's more a tech art and modeling and texture artists. But all I could think of is the scale of the world and. Going through and making sure everything reads like you want it to read. And I just, I can only imagine there was dedicated artists there, like just pouring over it. And, you know, I worked in an old engine that was slightly older than the World of Warcraft engine itself because of the way that the company branched. But no matter what, like when you're working on old tech, making it new tech, I just, it must have been a crazy undertaking. And I'm, I'm so impressed that such of like the new hotness visually has, has been put into this upcoming new, new hotness for WoW. So congrats to them. Very, very cool. It, as we make this paradigm shift, you know, there was actually a, another news item this, this week about uh, Phil Spencer talking about how he thinks that the jump from this current generation to the next generation of uh, Series X and PlayStation 5 is going to be as dramatic and um, you know, surprising, jaw-dropping as the the leap from 2D to 3D. He really made that comparison. Um, so as we're about to make that paradigm shift into ray tracing and um, you know no load times and, and those kinds of things we're hearing about the next-gen consoles, do... It, are there things that even in animation and every every step of creating a game is is there a real uh, change in how you do your job? Is is it something that you have to think about and and work with uh, consciously, or is it something that kind of is going to happen as a post processing effect, and you're not really thinking about it? I think there are a, a lot of teams that are, have to think about it. I think for something like animation, it will probably come in the tools and processes that you implement. But ultimately, I think those kind of tools and processes are there to make your 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 normal tasks easier. Um, I, a lot of the new gen stuff, like, cause he, like even on my new project at Riot Games, which is League of Legends, is still a 10-year-old project. Um, yeah. So I actually, unfortunately, in my day job, don't get to to be on that cutting edge. And so I kind of wonder too <laughs> what that's like. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, from an animation standpoint, um, probably like motion capture, but even then I've, I've only ever done like hand keyed animation for my entire career. So there's probably lots of crazy mocap tools. There are some amazing naughty dog talks in the GDC vault. I don't know if they're free. They're probably on YouTube now about their animation process or they're like building 
you can see that they build like out of props the full tr- truck jeep thing from uncharted yeah. so that they can do their mocap in this truck in a stage that's it's a wild process that is so beyond what i do which is like i sit down and i play with the doll <laughs> um, so there's definitely animators out there doing some cool things uh, and i'm just not one of them <laughs> but luke what are you excited about this idea of taking old older games like a minecraft or a world of warcraft or or even we saw quake uh, with a rtx enabled uh, you know version uh, do you think that's a, a that's a cool way to to use this tech is to go back and make old games shimmer a little bit with uh, real time ray tracing? A- absolutely, yes. I am by no means a tech a tech geek. I don't uh, understand a lot of the the stuff behind it. I, I stick to consoles mainly because I don't invest the time to learn that stuff. However, I often utilize uh, things like backward compatibility or going back and playing old PC games uh, simply to enjoy the new pretty and and what it is that. Uh, our newer consoles can do by way of, of passive upscaling versus uh, a developer going in and upscaling themselves. And I'm always excited to understand and learn about the legacy of a game and to see what can happen with with something like Warcraft getting ray tracing because how much will that change the experience? What does that do uh, for the the gamer and the on the user side? That's To me, that, that celebrates the art, as we talked about. It celebrates a lot of the effort put in and and showcases it on an even even more glor- glorified level and that to me is exciting i love back compat i love playing old games along with my new games and so if this brings more people in to try new things out and experience something that they loved differently uh, i'm all in on that type of stuff me too me too if it's uh if it's a little checkbox i can click I'm gonna do it. <laughs> I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Well, let's uh, let's move on and talk about the games that we have been playing. But first, I want to thank our first sponsor, which is Squarespace. Ah, Squarespace. If you need to make a website, and let's face it, we all need to make a website, especially now when everybody is working from home. There's no there's no business that you can have. There's no uh, there's no position you can hold where having a website won't help. And there's no need to actually pay someone to make it. You can make it yourself. You don't have to learn HTML. You can just make it using Squarespace's tool set, which is so simple to use. It's all just drag and drop. You start with a, a this beautiful template that were created by their world-class designers. Uh, there's a whole bunch of templates to choose from, but then you just start messing with it and you don't have to make it cookie cutter. It doesn't have to look like any other website out there. It can be yours. It can be exactly what you want it to be. You can drag and drop in e-commerce functionality. It's so simple. You just drop in the uh, the, the widget and it works. Uh, you can customize the look and feel, settings, products, anything with just a few clicks. It's so simple. Plus, you can buy your domain from Squarespace. Choose from over 200 extensions for that. Everything is optimized for mobile right out of the box. There's never anything to upgrade or patch. That's all handled for you. It's headache-free. But if you do run into any problems, they have 24-7 award-winning customer support that can help you through it. I've been using Squarespace for over a decade. Uh, JeffCanada.com is built on Squarespace. I recommend it to my friends and family. And now I'm recommending it to you. Make it yourself. Go over and check out squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me for a free trial. And then when you're ready to launch your website, use the promo code Jeff sent me all one word, J E F F S E N T M E. Save yourself 10% off your first purchase. 
of a website or a domain. That's squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me and the promo code Jeff sent me. All right, it's time to talk about the games that we have been playing. And uh, Luke, what have you been digging into this week? Uh, quite a bit, actually. Uh, again, given our situation, I've had more time on my hands than not. Uh, I, the, one of the ones I want to give a shout out to is Streets of Rage 4. Launch yeah. day and date into Game Pass. I downloaded it. This is one of those games where I might have bought it. I might not have bought it. Uh, I enjoyed the Streets of Rage franchise, and that game is gorgeous the animation is beautiful it's fast it's fluid uh i i am absolutely digging this uh how about i mean have you guys played streets of rage before did you have any affinity for it oh yes i mean i grew up in the arcades uh as a child of the uh, late 80s early 90s and so i i I mean these kind of 2d side scrollers you know teenage ninja turtles and Mm -hmm. final fight and streets of rage uh, they, uh, they were eating my quarters from a year early age. So I, you know, I love, love these games. And, uh, I was very excited about streets of rage Four. Uh, I think, I think you're right. I think it's a beautiful, um, I think it's a beautiful version of this very modern. The art is great. It's all high definition. Um, and, and it feels very much like one of those old games, but how you remember it in your brain, it goes, Oh, they all looked this good, right? They all had all these kind of cool effects and fun stuff. No, it's not true because the technology wasn't that way in the nineties, but, um, but it looks how you remember it and it plays how you remember it. Personally, I know these games, this game has been getting tons of great reviews and deservedly. So it does what it does very, very well. It's fun. The, actually the characters, there's four of them. They all play very differently from one another, which is lovely to see that there's actually some variety in which character you choose. It's not just a palette swap, whether you're the, you know, the, the scrappy girl or the big bruiser dude, they actually play differently. Uh, and, uh, and there's, you know, there's a lot of fun stuff to be had, but I, I can't help comparing it to something like a castle crashers Mm -hmm. that took that idea and actually sort of layered on some more modern ideas on top of it. Mm-hmm. And I understand maybe Streets of Rage 4 wasn't interested in that. They just wanted to give you that that f- experience of the old kinds of games. And they're good. I just found myself, I think, um, seeing it more as a trifle than a full meal. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Sure. And and that's kind of the, the big difficulty when you bring back a franchise uh, of any size is how much do you honor what was once there versus iterate and improve upon it. And uh, they clearly said, you know, we're not going to do too much. We're just going to make this modern feel good, look good. We don't want to add those layers. Uh, and if they had, you know, what you the experience you might have gotten might not have been Streets of Rage 4 in, in the way that you right? would expect. No, no, you're not uh, wrong. Yeah. So, so, but, but I think that's a, it's a brilliant game and then not having had to pay for it, I think, uh, probably makes it easier to, to judge and deal with, I suppose, deal with. For sure. I think you're right. I I think you're absolutely right that I, um, I don't think I would have bought this game, (laughs) but I was very glad to play it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that's, it's wild. I mean, just like I probably wouldn't have bought half the stuff that I watched on Netflix, I'm happy to watch it. I'll give it a shot. You know, I'll uh, click on it in Netflix because I'm already, I'm already paying the subscription fee. It's just wild that we've gotten to that place with day and date brand new video games. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. I know we're kissing a lot of uh, Xbox Game Pass patoot 
this episode, but it's uh, it's it's worth it worth um, uh, the uh, the uh, plaudits. Um, Lana, did you ever play any of these? I I, I definitely played uh, side scroller games, uh, but mostly the X Men side scroller one. It was right, right. outside where I took That's swimming lessons one. as a kid. And so that was the, the go-to. But I will say, as Christian Spicer's understudy for the evening, I'm very happy that Streets of Rage 4 is being talked about. <laughs> yes, indeed. He he was, uh, he was actually offered to record on his phone a, a diatribe about Streets of Rage 4. And I said, no, no, it's, it's okay. We got it. We Just got let him it, tweet you know? about it. And then next time it can be his own story of the week. There you go. Yeah, you can talk. Exactly. That's his MO. I'm telling you about this incredible news story that was sweeping the nation. Man tweets. Man being me. Yeah. Uh, do you, are you going to stick with this game, Luke? Are you going to play lots more of it? Or is it the kind of thing where it's like a fun, just kind of a fun, mindless um, diversion? I, I, that's, I, I don't I mean exactly. to be negative about the game, but that's no. kind of how it feels to me. Is it, it feels like an arcade game. It feels like something that you can play for 15 minutes and kind of get all of it. I, I know exactly what you mean. Uh, one of the other things I've been playing is I've been kind of going through the Halo franchises campaigns with my buddies to prep for Infinite. And in the time where, okay, th- we're setting aside hours to, to do that. You know, all right, we got two hours this afternoon. Let's, let's play this one. Let's do this one. For Streets of Rage, I had 15 minutes before we jumped on to record. That's when I turned Streets of Rage on, play a level, win it or lose it, and and then I'm done. And I feel fulfilled. I had a blast. The game is super fun to play, but I'm not thinking about it and, and thinking setting aside time it's the the 10 15 20 minute periods uh here and there where i'm like oh i, I don't know what i want to play you know what i'll go through this because I, I don't know about you guys but i i spend a lot of time browsing games versus playing them uh, <laughs> and I'll, I'll look at all like, oh i could play that that'd be nice okay and w- that streets of rage kind of keeps me from doing that it, it's that kind of game that that fills that because it's quick in quick out so that's good tell him about books i spend hours going over Goodreads trying mm-hmm. to decide what book I'll read next. And then I'm like, oh, I don't have time to read anything. I've just been spending two hours doing Goodreads, uh, yep. reading everybody's, uh, cause I feel like it's, Oh, it's such a big decision. What book I'm going to read next. I hate, eh, I'm such a goofball. Um, <laughs> here's my other thing about streets of rage Four uh, that may get me into trouble, but I feel like as great as these games were, as much as I loved them as a kid, they were all really, again, I'm going to get in trouble for this, but they were all just a precursor to Street Fighter. I feel like they were all just leading up to being Street Fighter. Like Street Fighter 2, I know there was a Street Fighter 1 that wasn't these kinds of games. And I know they're a different genre, so save your angry emails about how it's legit a different genre. I get it. But I feel like the natural logical extension of where these games were going is Street Fighter 2. And that is what I, in a post-Street Fighter 2 world in the 90s, that is what I found lacking with these type of games at a certain point, is that kind of combo system, that kind of actual um, uh, move set for each character. And I know Street, Streets of Rage 4 has combo system, and it's it takes skill. I'm not trying to discount the fact that it has that in the game, but I always feel like there's just a just a teensy bit too much simplicity in what I'm doing in the decision making process of these 2D side scrollers because of the decision making process that I fell in love with with Street Fighter 2. Does that make sense to anybody? 
Yeah, it does, you're saying you're it, really good that, at games. <laughs> we get yes. it. No, it's fine. That is that is not true. Anyone, Too good. anyone, it's fine. anyone that's played with me will know that. Although I, I do own Christian Spicer at Street Fighter. I will say that I own him, and uh, knowing that he'll never listen to this, I can say that with all sincerity. <laughs> uh, Sorry, Luke. <laughs> I totally talk over you there. No, I thought I one that was funny, and uh, two it, it it speaks to what you want out of it. I mean, it, it, not be not having the layers and not having that combo system makes it more approachable, makes it easier to get into, and I think there's there, there runs the balance there. Street Fighter Two uh, and, and the Street Fighter franchise at first is very approachable. You have very base level characters that you can get into, and then there's a meta that exists in it that is just. Uh, out of this world complicated and really cool but uh i don't know that i'd be interested in a streets of rage that did that or had a layer that was beyond that and if it exists i certainly don't know about it um and so again the trade-off there do you want approachability do you want complexity can you do both um i I, it's a great question and point to bring up and jeff i just don't know i don't know where that would land as far as mass appeal yeah well i will repeat that I do believe that Streets of Rage 4 is, is, is really good fun and uh, effective at doing what it does. And especially if you've got Xbox Game Pass already, there's really no reason to download it and not give it a shot because uh, it, it's, it's pretty great. It's a pretty great throwback to an old kind of game that doesn't really get made anymore. Um, and, it, and it does it beautifully. So Streets of Rage 4. Uh, what else have you been playing there, Luke? Oh, well, I, I mentioned that we've been playing through the Halo games, and that has been a joy because, to my point about Back and Pat, getting to go through and see what developers and animators and artists and composers put together in that, that art that is a game in, you know, 2001 to 2006 to 2008 and so on is really neat. And Microsoft uh, has done a good job in its current iteration of the Master Chief Collection, which was a, just a disaster when it launched. Um, and it it's it has been really neat to go through and play the old games kind of because I'm excited for Infinite uh, by far and playing those through a lot of those campaigns and seeing how the designs of characters change, how they animate things and showcase uh, different aspects where they failed, where they succeeded. That's been a, a blast for me to play through games like that with some friends uh, and I guess I suppose do some comparative stuff. I'm doing the same thing with Modern Warfare 2 remake right now. Uh, I, I should say Activision sent me a code for that one and, and playing through that and seeing how it looked and felt from when it launched a few years back to now. Uh, yeah. It's impressive. Some of the beats hit a little bit differently, but it's an impressive campaign and it looks great with that remaster. It looks great in HDR, 4K. And so just I, I've been enjoying going back to legacy stuff as well as uh, comparing it to new. It's been a nice journey over these past few weeks trying to make the best of you know, my time at home. Sure. So <laughs> in re- in revisiting all of the Halo games, d- did it reshuffle your personal rankings for the series of uh, which installments you rank above others? Um, not by much, no. But I think that's due to my entry into the, the franchise by way. Uh, I was later as a late adopter to Halo. I was very much a Gears person when I entered the Xbox world because uh, I wasn't really an Xbox person for a long time. Uh, and in playing back, I can see the brilliance that Bungie displayed. Uh, I think Reach is by far my, my favorite, but Halo 4 is really, really good. And playing that game, this was the cool part, uh, guys. 
playing Halo 4 on my 4K TV with an Xbox One X. It's enhanced for X. It's been cleaned up with a headset on. I had a a wonderfully uh, capable headset on. Playing a game that was a 360 game was stunning. That game looks beautiful. It looks as good or almost as good as anything that would come out today for a PS4 Pro or Xbox One X. And it came out on a 360, and it, it was a showcase to that team at just what a good job they did. Uh, Halo 4 might actually be my favorite now that I'm saying that. Um, but I'm <laughs> we, finished, we finished that one today. That was the one we finished today. So it sounds like your uh, rankings are changing up to the minute. Yeah, they might be. They might be. It's it, whenever you know somebody ever asks you your favorite. It's like my favorite game of all times, Arkham Knight. Is it the best? No, but but favorite changes. What's your favorite movie? Uh, today it's you know yeah. Uh, but it's been a cool journey to go back through. And that's one thing I appreciate is when I have the opportunity to go and revisit old games uh, to potentially reshuffle stuff. So. Yeah. I uh, can't wait for the inevitable uh, Halo ray tracing editions. Oh, goodness uh, gracious. Great. Wouldn't that be cool? Had that um, conversation. Yeah. <laughs> so deliver us the moon. Uh, I, I bought this recently and it's sitting on my steam. I was like, everybody's been talking about how cool this game is. I'm going to buy it. It's on steam sale. Little did I know it was going to be on Xbox Game Pass before I even got around to playing it. But I haven't gotten around to playing it. Should I go play Deliver Us the Moon? Are you are you digging this game? Uh, I am. Lana, have you played it at all? I have not. I've not. I've actually not heard of it. Okay, so uh, yes, you should play this, Jeff. I think you will will enjoy it uh, for what it is. I struggled. So I, I was recording uh, earlier today and trying to talk about this game, and I struggled to describe it because it is not a walking simulator. I think it would be an insult to call it just a walking simulator because you are exploring, you are solving puzzles, but it's not like the Turing test in terms of solving puzzles everywhere you go. You're kind of an old school adventure game, right? It's basically like a, almost like a point and click adventure game. Yes and no, because you are moving around in 3D space. You're walking your character in third person, walking around doing this, that, or the other. And you're exploring a story that is a tragic story and you're trying to essentially solve a mystery as you go. And in order to do so, the basic premise is you and, and a small band are, are space exploration is null and void and done because it just didn't work well. And uh, there was disasters on the planet from not taking care of it. A lot of social commentary in that. And this group of people kind of non NASA just decide to get up to the moon and solve uh, a power issue that was there so they could fix it. And, they are working through it and there's a mystery here with a story they, where they are exploring the character's motivations, why some things didn't work, why some things did. And you're playing through these moments and, and revisiting memories of things to learn who you are and where you factor into the story. It's gorgeous. Uh, it's a little bit clunky in its gameplay. Um, it's not meant to be like a super precise game. Uh, the puzzles are very basic and solvable. You can knock this out in probably four or five hours, which is, I, I think I like that in some cases. Yeah, yeah sometimes that's um, so nice. <laughs> I, I debated many times going downstairs and asked my wife, who is not a gamer, uh, I just got her into Animal Crossing, Woo. but uh, she's not much of a gamer and uh, trying to get her to come up and sit on the couch. And we, we debated it uh, or I debated it. But uh, in the end, I just chose to just solve it myself. It's a it's a fun game that, again, if I hadn't had Game Pass, I wouldn't have played. But I'm glad I did. All right. That is Deliver Us the Moon. It is available on Xbox Game Pass and uh, a lot of other stuff as well. It's been around a, a couple of years and won some awards, I think. Uh, indie indie game awards uh and which got my uh 
notice a while back when it was on Steam sale. So um, I can tell you on PC, it does support ultra wide. And I think, I think they had a patch for ray tracing. So if you've got all those kind of capabilities, it's a, it's a, as you said, very pretty game mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, uses a lot of light and stuff you're, you know, investigating a derelict station on the moon and stuff. And, it's, it's and the cool. website front center just says, be an astronaut. So you know that that is hype. Yeah. <laughs> be one. Do be it. One. Be, be one. An astronaut. <laughs> what are you why are you not being one right now uh <laughs> lana what is on your playlist um on my playlist is not a whole lot um because i took on some commissions outside of my normal work and that's been sort of consuming my life but i did pick up something i started months ago when i got my switch which is super mario odyssey oh, um i cool. um I think it's very sweet and it's definitely so reminiscent of that N64. I haven't played any of the Mario's in between. Um, like I didn't play Sunshine. I haven't played the other ones. <laughs> I can't even name them. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Super Mario Odyssey, like I remember like the N64 one, that was so iconic to me. It was like, oh, that's, that's, the, that's the 3D Mario look. That's what you do is you run around and you jump into these pictures. And so it's really cute because they have the pictures and, you know, spoilers for the plot. Peach's castle is there. It looks just like the one from the N64 <laughs> version. And so you'll go into certain rooms and it has that music that is – it was very nostalgic in that way. Uh, so it's very, it very sweet. I picked it up on a long flight I had last year and it didn't really – Maybe it's just because I was physically uncomfortable on the plane, but it didn't really stick to me that well. And then I'd sort of finished a whole bunch of games that I was interested in playing recently that I think I've already talked about on the show. And then I spent a long time just like watching Survivor, a lot of Survivor, and <laughs> and doing these, these charcoal commissions that I'm doing. And then I was finally like, oh, man, I need a, a break. I'm just going to pick up a game. What do I even have? And all I had on my Switch left was Super Mario Odyssey. I was like, oh, I guess I'll finish this. And Spyro Reignited, which I'll talk about in a Great sec. Great game. Very, very time. sweet. Again, it's like so nostalgic. These are the, like the two games that I played like at my two friends' houses. One of my friends had a Nintendo and the other one had a PlayStation. And those are the games I played there. It was N64, Mario, and Spyro. And so it was very and, cool. And, hmm? and which friend's house did you prefer going to? Who had the better system? Oh, man. I just wanted video games. I did not care what they were. Just give me the games. <laughs> but I did love Spyro. Uh, it was a cute dragon versus like an Italian plumber. Okay. Yeah. Hey. A kid. Speaking, a kid. Of, speaking, as, speaking as the son of an Italian plumber. Um, <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about Mario Odyssey because uh, it's funny. I have revisited this game recently as well. I, I talked about it a few weeks ago uh, in relation to the fact that my son, who's three and a half, uh, here we are in quarantine, and I used to be Mister No Screens, uh, you know, limited screen time dad, and now it's like uh, whatever. I don't care. That's yes, turn it on. Uh-huh. Um, so we have been playing um, literally. Like, let's pick up the switch and sit in, in the on the couch together, and we'll see what is even on my switch right now. Oh, Mario Odyssey's still there. That's good. You can play that. <laughs> so uh, we and he also has been playing. Um, he likes. Uh, oh gosh, what's the doesn't matter. Whatever. I can't remember it. Anyway, so we've been playing Mario Odyssey. And the game is very good. And as you said, nostalgic, wonderful, 3D Mario, very, very good. There's a big but, but the thing that I saw... 
Oh, go ahead. Yes. The thing that I keep saying, and you know, you don't have this point of reference because you said you haven't played a lot of the Mario's in between, you know, the N64 days, but I then transferred him to my 3DS because I was like, I have my old 3DS. I'm not using it. I'll just kind of hand it down to him. And I had a Super Mario 3 World on that handheld system. And I just think that is such a superior game to Odyssey. I think some of the other 3D Mario games, I just prefer to Odyssey. I think Odyssey is is great in a lot of ways, and it's certainly satisfying and, and gives you those wonderful uh, moments of, of Mario secrets and finding things and being clever and, and you know, oh, this is a hidden thing behind here, all that stuff that it does so well. Mm-hmm. But I find the worlds in Odyssey to be so weirdly disparate in the- I agree. Oh good. Like oh, good. so strange. I got a lot like, of hate mail the last time I said this. <laughs> oh my gosh. I think I mean you can't take away like it's super it's got a very unique feel. It's very cool in a lot of ways. Mario the body snatcher, sure. Whatever. That's fine. But yeah, Mario the Body Snatcher is totally what it is. Oh my gosh. When you're at like the snow one, the snow with the all that with the snowman in it and you have to go through the race and you take yeah. over that one guy's body, and afterwards he's like, "I'm the champion," and he's so confused. <laughs> it's a horror movie. It's so dark. You're in a horror movie. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god! If you take over the fishing guy, I forget his name. Afterwards, he goes, "Well, well, well what happened?" And it's like this is so <laughs> like, Ugh, Mario, stop!" Um, <laughs> but then you're like, "Oh, I'm in a hyper realistic, like Jurassic World with a realistic Tyrannosaurus Rex." That's weird. Yeah. Now yeah. I'm in the weird, you know, New Donk City, which is a name that I is hilarious to me. I like I love the name New Donk City. And then it's like hyper realistic people, except for the mayor. She looks like a mayor character. And then it's just like weird, like visual. It's incon- like all over the place. It's yeah. so yeah. And I really and like- I know I I get Mario levels are all over the place. Like that's kind of the thing is it can be anything at any time, and he can be in a cat suit, and he can be in a raccoon suit, and he can wear his mm-hmm. cape. But all I get it. I it, it's Mario. It's a cartoon. But like. It really, to me, feels like you're leaping through completely different books rather than different chapters of the same book in that game. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I love a lot of the mechanics with the hat. Like, I think that it's cool. Like, I love taking over – like, the like every time you take over a character and it has, like, a different ability that allows you to get to different spots. Like, oh, now I'm in the bird character so I can, you know – jab my nose in this thing and fling myself upwards like that's cool to like know which sort of local creature you have to abuse to get where you <laughs> want to go um yeah. you have the- to scar for life by <laughs> disavowing them of their identity their fundamental identity for a few moments yeah yeah, yeah. um so i really like a lot of interesting things but also sometimes like the then the 2d sections are really cool except i found I'm so bad at classic Mario, painfully bad at classic Mario. Anytime there's a 2D section, I'm like, oh, this is going to be three hours of my life to get through this 30 (laughs) second portion of this game. And I just found the controls were like a little unresponsive in certain ways. Like he's so floaty and you have to be really precise, especially in the 2D sections where I think the controller is the same. It's just side scrolling. You're like time to run. And he's like, I'm going to take a while to ramp up. And it's like, oh, come <laughs> on, Mario. Uh, so, but I've, I had a lot of fun. I've got like 400 moons and I think I'm the last 200 were are just gonna, I'm done, but I enjoyed it. 
Yeah, I mean, it's a great game. Again, it's a great game. I feel like this is my going to be my MO this whole episode is like, great game, but, and I've been doing that a lot lately, and I know people are like, what's wrong with you, Jeff? But, you know, I, I can't help see the, there's so much great stuff out there that I feel like my personal bar is just rising higher and higher. Because it's like, oh, well, there's, the floor for quality is so much higher than it ever was for video games. It's like the games just aren't as bad as they used to be on a, on an average level, you know? So I've, and I, and there's so much better, like the, the ceiling for quality is so much higher than it ever was too. And so you feel like, wow, man, games require such a time commitment these days. I appreciate the games so much more that are, that are really, really the best of the best. And I'm going to, I'm going to nitpick a little bit, maybe more than I used to. I also think nitpicking for me is like half of my enjoyment of something is, (laughs) is is the discussion, not nitpicking to be rude, but to be like, this is interesting, but how would we do it better? Like I, maybe that's just me being a game dev. Um, and yeah, but, uh, I really do enjoy the, the healthy critique of something because that, I know just, I feel like that makes me a better developer. I think that's great. And I I think it's true. I mean, it makes me a better, a, a better Consumer. Appreciate. Yeah, exact consumer. Exactly. Perfect. Uh, I think that being a critic or looking at something with a critical eye can make you appreciate art more and better. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think it's great. Um, Luke, I'm curious what your perception of Odyssey is in relation to previous Mario games. Oh, gosh, you're gonna make the Internet hate me. I it was fine. It was fine. Okay. You're an Xbox I, I, guy. You're an well, Xbox guy. Well, I I I, run, I know. I, I I do come off like an Xbox guy. I, I run a show for Xbox, sure. But no, I, it's fine. I, I don't mean that as a pejorative at all. I just I didn't want to put you on the spot for something that you don't really. Well, you know. well no, I'm not. Uh, I, I appreciate that, but it really and truly, Odyssey didn't do it for me. I love uh, 3D worlds, and I'm so excited for that potential idea that they're bringing that Wii U game up to Switch because I love 3D World. And I yeah. like a lot of the 2D Mario games. So I was thinking, as Lana was talking, I was like, ah, I like the 2D ones. Um, but uh, I, I Odyssey was great. It just didn't stick with me. Whereas Breath of the Wild, man, I didn't put my Switch down for weeks. Right. I was hoping Odyssey would do the same thing for me. It just didn't click that same way. Right. Mm-hmm. Lana Spyro, uh, we we got off the Spyro tip, but you're you're uh, also got that ignite reignited on yeah. the Switch, right? I don't have. Uh, I, I thought there was a beautiful game. Uh, it was very cool to play it and be like, oh yeah, I remember this from my childhood. I didn't play it for a long time because, um, because like you, Jeff, I'm very good at games, like too good at games. <laughs> if there's one takeaway from this week's episode. <laughs> It should be that. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. But (laughs) I was, I mean, this I just, I wanted to talk about just to praise the art team. Wow. It looks so good. The animations are incredible. And something I didn't realize is every time you, for like for somebody who hasn't played it in a while, your mission is to sort of go through these levels and find these dragons that were turned to stone by the big bad in the game. Nasty Nork, I believe is his name. Um, And they, and you have to wake them up. And then every single time they like say something or they give you a little tip, but every single dragon that I've woken up has a new, a different model and like Hmm. completely different. There's no way that the rig carries over. And this is just game Debbie nitpicky stuff, but it seems crazy to me to make this game, to have these dragons have a 30 second cameo or less and have an entirely new rig, an entirely new model and a crazy animated section. It's just, wow, what an amount of work. It looks beautiful. Hmm. Gorgeous. Loved it. 
but that's cool. I love I love that bit of insight too. And I, I would love for you to help me see it more through your eye because I when you say um the animations are great, what what specifically is something when you look at something someone else has animated that you know is keyframe animated or hand animated? What is it that sparks? Is it detail? What, what exactly is it? Um, for me, it, it's sort of a matter of uh, texture and a sense of timing and a sense of character appeal. So when we're looking at animations, there are the 12 principles of animation, which are what you use to help you animate, but also help you see under- animation and understand why it's not necessarily reading the way you expect it to. But when I'm just playing a game for enjoyment without like really breaking it down, like if you have, let's use Spyro, you have one of these dragons and this dragon is a painter dragon. And so he's got an easel that pops up and he's got like a, the design of his characters that he's like got a much longer curly tail or something. And he's sort of like elongated in general. And hmm. do the actions that he takes express explicitly that he is an artist? And how do you, like, how does that match up with the model? And how does that match up with what he's saying? And how, how do the motions, like, it can continue to inform that character beyond how it looks? And are they smooth? And do they have unique timing? Um, so animation is, like, a lot like music. And if you heard a song that was just, like, just a bass drum, you'd be like, cool, that's even and boring. But if you listen to music and it's like, bow, zip, zap, but you're like, ooh, that's fun. And, like, I sort of see right. animation the same way you'd hear a variety of sounds in a row. It's like, oh, there's there's texture there that feels good on my eyeballs to look at. That is so much better than I thought you were going to be able to come up with in the moment. I just thought that's <laughs> such a per- that's such a perfect illustration of uh, what I was hoping for, which is uh, being able to sort of understand what you mean when you say it's good. Um, thank you for that bit of You're insight. Welcome. It was cool. Um, let's talk a little Final Fantasy remake because you you've been playing that. Have we talked about that before? Have you been on since that came out? I have I can't not. Remember. And okay. I put, let's talk about I, it. I did uh, catch up uh, on uh, DLC this week because I'm not driving to work. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm like four episodes behind. So yeah, we get I, a lot I, of that. A lot of lo- our numbers are down, you know, no. that's what it is. People are not commuting. What are you going to yeah, do? But now I'm drawing. And so I'm like, oh, this is the perfect thing to catch, catch up with. Um, so I, I don't have a lot to say. And especially because I you think you guys have talked about it a lot recently and especially your nitpicks. I actually haven't played it a ton. I played it some and then. I've been watching it while doing other things while my, my boyfriend plays it. Um, and the one thing that I wanted to say about it is I've never played a Final Fantasy game before. Uh, this is not a good episode for me seeming like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I don't know, man. You just, t- you just give a masterclass in animation. So I, I think yeah. we're all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm really good at games. I just haven't played all the popular ones. <laughs> um so I've never played a Final Fantasy, and it was nothing like I thought it was going to be. Every time I've heard about Final Fantasy, and like I saw the movies, like Advent Children, and I was like, yeah, Final Fantasy. It's like a high action-y, and I knew it was like the original ones, a bunch of them were turn-based, but I still knew it was like action-y, action game. And then it was I have like, never heard anyone say that Final Fantasy, I've seen the movies. <laughs> <laughs> I just, you know, I just didn't get around this to it. This is cool. <laughs> no, this is super cool. No, I'm it, so excited for this. And it's crazy it's because Advent Children is like the one where I'm like, oh, yeah, that's that guy from that movie that I saw. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. 
but like you but know, so you don't think that the, you don't think there's final fantasy 7 remake is is action actiony i think it's pretty action actiony but it is also way more than that like i was expecting it to be like sort of constant action and there but there's a lot of also like now we have to change the filters. Time to do our errands, Cloud. Yeah. And I'm like, what in the yeah. heck is this game? Oh, no. <laughs> let's, let's pick some flowers and make sure you pick the right flowers. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Like, so not at all what I expected um, from, like, this, this in-between action-y moments. And I also didn't expect it to be like, yeah, action, action, to save the planet. It's like, oh, what a positive <laughs> message. This is... I just I didn't know what to expect. The camera makes me laugh. The camera is maybe the thirstiest camera that's ever existed. Um, <laughs> like, but uh, yeah, I, I I really enjoy it. I think the combat is a very cool adaptation of turn based, where it is mm-hmm. like you're in the combat and it's now I can't think of the word when you're just playing it. It's real time. Thank you for my brain. Um, but there is a turn basity feel to it where it's like, it's going basity. Yeah. Turn basity feel. So you're like jumping between your characters and there's like that menu that kind of stops time or like really slows it down for a bit. And so you are sort of picking per person per person, what each person is doing. And the enemies kind of have a beat where they're like, I'm going to hit you. And, but then it says what they're going to do. So that that feels turn based to me. So I think it's a really cool adaptation of a turn based combat into something that is not but still feels that way and uh it looks gorgeous it looks really really beautiful um it does but yeah not not much more to say on it because again i've done more watching than playing at this point but it's cool yeah I, I it is. why people are obsessed but i'm still like oh sure <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it's um i'm more impressed with it than i thought i would be in the in the sense that i I said this many, many, many times as we, you know, in the years that led up to the final release of this game, um, that, you know, I just thought, oh, you know, all the people that think the Final Fantasy VII is this great thing, they're right because of the time that it came out. And I don't know if it's going to translate to a new, you know, decades later very well. Um, but I, I am glad to have Eaton Crow on that because I think it, it shows – I think this version really shows how well written that story was and mm-hmm. how pertinent. I mean, it's more pertinent now, as you brought up, like it's about eco-terrorists. Uh, and that makes even more sense nowadays, uh, you know, as we, as we stare global Into climate change in the face. Future, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway. Um, so yeah, I'm still playing it too. I'm still cool. slog- slugging my way through it. There's a, there are lulls in that game for sure that I feel like um, get me. It's harder for me to push myself back into playing it. But then there are moments where I'm like, oh, I don't want to put this down. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't know about I don't know if it's paced super well. It, it is um, you know it's got that Square Enix pacing where it's just like it's still going. Uh, <laughs> but also they stretched things out from the original game to kind of make it this episodic thing. So um, but it's it's very good. All right. Uh, before we get to my playlist, I want to thank our second sponsor, which is ExpressVPN. I've been using ExpressVPN for years uh, and uh, before they ever were sponsors of this show. And we all know that uh, ExpressVPN protects your privacy and security online. That's what VPNs are for. But there's something you might not know. You can also use ExpressVPN to unlock movies and TV shows that are only available in other 
countries. That's pretty cool, right? You like anime? Are you an anime fan? Well, you can use ExpressVPN to access Japanese Netflix to watch anime in that is only available there. You can watch uh, Doctor Who on UK Netflix. Uh, there's The possibilities are endless. And it's cool. Uh, ExpressVPN hides your IP address and lets you control where you want sites to think you're located. You can choose from almost 100 different countries. And you can just imagine all the different libraries of Netflix that you can go through. But it works on more than just Netflix. Uh, really, any service, Hulu, BBC, iPlayer, uh, YouTube, you name it, ExpressVPN lets you do it. Uh, and there are hundreds of VPNs out there. But the reason that I use ExpressVPN is because it's so fast. That's why I chose VPN, uh, ExpressVPN way back when I chose it, before they were ever a sponsor of, of this show. I chose ExpressVPN because VPNs can really slow you down. And I did not want that. I didn't want any buffering or lag. And you can stream in HD no problem with ExpressVPN because it is ridiculously fast. Also compatible with all your devices, phones, consoles, t- smart TVs, uh, tablets, what you name it. It's, it's available. Uh, so if you visit our special link, which is expressvpn.com slash DLC, you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. Support the show, watch what you want, and protect yourself with ExpressVPN. That's ExpressVPN, E-X-P-R-E-S-S, VPN.com slash D-L-C. All right. Um, we've been talking about some of the stuff that I've been playing, but I want to mention uh, another game. Um, Gears Tactics came out this week. Another Game that's on Game Pass, so I had it already. I think I may have purchased this one if I didn't already have it, but I didn't have to. It was on uh, it's on PC only at the moment, but it was available on my PC because of the Xbox app that ties into Xbox Game Pass. And um, I am a fan of turn base. I love me some turn base. Uh, I love board games. I love I love tactics games. I love XCOM. Uh, and so I was already in, I'm not, forgive me, Luke, but I'm not the hugest gears of war lore fan. I'm not, not a big fan of the the storyline in gears games. I find them very fun. I play all of them. Uh, I find the action to be very enjoyable, but it's not a game that I tune in to find out what's next for Marcus Phoenix. It just <laughs> never really struck me as that, you know, that, that compelling, but uh, I'm down for some tactics games. So um, let me say that, first of all, this game for a tactics game is gorgeous. It, it feels like a Gears of War game. I mean, it, especially when the camera swoops down and gets you really cool shots of the battlefield. It feels like you're in a full-fledged Gears of War game. The engine looks almost identical. Um, and I'm playing it on PC, obviously. In ultra-wide, it looks phenomenal. Um, the The maps are big and beautiful and look like gears of war it looks like somebody just pulled the camera back in a gears game and gears games are beautiful games so um all right there already it's like oh a turn-based game like this with such visual splendor i'm i'm into it um and it does the turn-based tactics stuff very very well and it, it adapts the the concept of playing a Gears of War game into a turn-based format very smartly. It does some really fun things like, you know, everybody knows who's played a Gears of War game that you can 
shoot, shoot, shoot a bad guy. And then they can get on the verge of death and you can run up and execute them by, you know, some horrific, gory way. Uh, and that they retain that in this version of the game. And it actually benefits you to do so because in often in a tactics game, you know, positioning is very, very important. But if you get one of your, your squad members to run up and execute a downed enemy, it actually gives an extra action to all the other members of your squad. So it's really, it's really clever. It's a really cool incentive to actually get yourself out of position and do something like that. It reinforces that it's a gears of war game because you're doing cool gears of war stuff that you've done in the third person action game. And I think, I think there are lots of flourishes like that that are really clever. There's this, this idea of um, setting up overwatch, which lets you not do anything on your turn, but conserve your, action points until an enemy crosses in front of a cone of um, of overwatch that you've set up so that you'll shoot only when an enemy moves into that field. I think that's a pretty clever thing. And it, it leads to some really fun moments where you've got, you know, there's got this kind of like crossfire death box where, you know, you can set up various cones that overlap each other. And then a whole bunch of bad guys will sort of run through that that funnel point and you'll see all of the action points go off as your guys are you know, just taking down, uh, you know, horrible, uh, what are they called? Uh, grubs, grubs in uh, gears of war. Um, it's very fun. It's very fun. And I found the tactics to be really exciting. And it, 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 um, it has all the layers that you want in a game like that. It looks great. I really don't care much about the story, but it's got a story. I think it's a prequel. I think it's set Mm -hmm. before the events of the first Gears of War. Um, So that's kind of interesting. I think it's very good. It's very good for a game that I I paid $0 for extra because it's just part of my subscription. This feels like a huge, big, meaty experience. I look forward to playing it more and more. Um, It has all of the layers that an XCOM game has of the base management and leveling up your characters. I find all of that to be a little over the top. I, I kind of don't need individual skill trees for every single member of my squad. It's cool that it's there. And I like the ability to customize, customize, customize. I mean, just like XCOM, you can sort of get down to the fine details of look and feel for every single member of your squad. You you can change individual color palettes of, you know, their shirts underneath their armor. It's pretty wild. And it's cool that it's there, but I feel like, the the amount of that stuff just is is a little too much for me personally i don't need that like just give me big classes let me fill out my roster with the classes that i want i don't need to fine tune and micromanage that to that to that degree it feels like i almost get bogged down in that amount of decision making between missions but it's hard for me to criticize it because that's cool like it's it's just more control I have over over all of the aspects of my team. So I've, I have two questions for you, Jeff, if you don't mind. Sure, please. With that layer of complexity that they have, because uh, I've not yet played it, my PC won't won't handle it. Um, do you do you expect this will translate well to consoles, putting it onto a controller? And then my the follow up to that is, do you think this will make Gears more relevant for some fan bases, whereas it might not be uh, everybody's favorite at the moment? 
That's interesting. I, the second question is very interesting. Uh, yeah, I think it will be very easily translated to a controller. Very, very, very easily translated. In fact, I'm kind of surprised it wasn't a day and date on consoles as well. It just seems like, yeah, you know, I, I don't, I think it's actually controller support in the PC version, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not, pl- I'm really? playing with a mouse, but yeah, um, it's, it's very, it would be, a, I think, a very easy thing to, to be on a console. And I think it'll work well. I think it's great. In fact, I'd love a Halo version. I know we got the Halo real-time strategy game, but I'd love a turn-based strategy game in the Halo universe. I think that'd be pretty cool, mm-hmm. uh, especially with like bigger units and c- trucks and stuff. Um, trucks. Who am I? Warthog. You know, Warthogs. Warthog. Yeah, there it is. Um, I know what you meant. <laughs> <laughs> trucks. Um, but the second question is, is, is fascinating to me. I don't know. I don't know. I think for me, the gears, it's so weird how, you know, this – game starts with like um a message from the president that they're looking at on a television set you know and the president's like you know we face our new enemy and all this but the president is like this 500 pound thick like roided out like every human in in the gears universe is wide and ripped and looks like they've been only going to the gym their entire life you know it's it's such a weird aesthetic for a franchise that everyone is Marcus Phoenix size, you know, or bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so it's, it's, it's kind of a hard series to take seriously for me from a narrative perspective. Cause it just feels like these roided out dudes all the time. Like even the president, even every character just feels like these just roid roid people. Um, and I, I like the locust and the, the concept of emergence day and all the aesthetic of like, Oh, they come out of holes in the ground. You got to throw a grenade in the hole to stop it. All that stuff's clever and cool. And all of the, the minutia of, of gears of war, which is like slamming into walls, all that is retained in this version. And it's fun to see that from a bird's eye view of the, you know, getting into cover and sliding it, slamming into it and all that like physicality of gears of war, all that stuff's cool. But I don't know if just, because it's a tactics game, all of a sudden it's going to make people love the gears franchise. And I don't mean that to be super negative, but I just don't know if that it, I think it does a great job of being a tactics game, but I just don't know that it does a great job of being like a gateway drug into gears of war. Gotcha. And that's that, I guess that's the big thing is gears is, it's a wonderful franchise and I am obviously a fan of it and have been for a long time, but it would be silly to say that the, the excitement for that franchise is not waning. It, it either, it didn't evolve enough for people or it didn't stick around or whatever, whatever the reasoning is, it's just not where it once was. It's not selling where it was. It's not doing the same mind share that it did. And I think that's part of why they tried to diversify it a bit. And I'm hearing a lot of people say that this is a very much a gears game, but it's not a Gears game, and I'm wondering if that doesn't open some people up to the just to the idea of a new game, if this doesn't put the, the shooters on hold for a bit, because tactics games are so fundamentally different, and yet it's capturing a spirit that of its original that I don't know that a lot of tactics games do. And so I just have a lot of questions about where this game goes and what it does for, theoretically, a pillar franchise for Microsoft. That's a, yeah. It's, 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 it's going to be one to follow for the very, at the very least. Yeah, I think it's it's very curious what a Gears Six looks like. You know what what that where they go with it because I feel like Gears Five it was so good and yet 
no one really talked about it at the end of the year. It wasn't in any yeah. of the game of the year conversations or anything. It just didn't, as you said, somehow fell out of the mindshare uh, mm-hmm. argument uh, conversation. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know if this moves the needle for the franchise, but it certainly is a very good game. I, I'm really digging it. That said, and I know this is sort of my MO this week, and I apologize in advance, but it also reminds me how great Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle is and how much – what that game for me is like one of my favorite tactics games. Legit favorite. And that may be heresy to people that are like hardcore XCOM fans and, you know – doesn't doesn't it feel that game might feel like a trifle to some i don't think it is i think that game really introduced some wonderful variety into the tactics games and one of the things i love most about mario plus rabbits is how it approached traversal and the options it gave you in moving your characters around a map it is so fun to unlock new abilities in that game. It's so fun to be able to like leap off the head of a teammate, to set up a teammate in a position specifically so you can bounce off their head and catapult yourself to a different position. Like all of the, the goofy stuff of Mario plus Rabbids, I think is what surprised me as being my most favorite parts of that game. And it, it added a, uh, uh, um, a lightness to the experience. You know, XCOM games are so pressure cooker and like oh you if you're these characters that you put all these these time into and they've leveled up they're gonna die and they're gonna be dead forever and oh you named them and why did you name them they're dead all of that's i know a lot of people come for that and it's great and i don't i don't discount how compelling that is but man i you know even playing gears tactics makes me go mario plus rabbits is still so underrated by so many people because of it really innovated in this this subgenre uh, in a really, I, I think, wonderful way. Um, so anyway, another shout out for Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle. But what if they just added the the head bouncing to the Gears Tactics? <laughs> there you go. Like, You'll pop up, pop up here, bro. <laughs> you just them over. You just patch it in, and then you can, uh, you know, and then uh, one of the guys is like a uh, Coltrane. You know what is it? I, I got I got Coltrane in full football uniform. I guess it's called Thrash Ball in Gears, but I unlocked him in. So he, you know, he's almost a Mario character. He just, he's just You're a bro, jump yeah. on my head. I love it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, that is one though, Lana. If you're looking for another Switch game, if you've ever never played Mario Plus Rabbids, high uh, on my list. It is my MO this episode. To have not played anything. So I have not played it, uh, but I have heard great things about it. And this is solidifying um, the greatness that I've heard. So I will. Yeah, no, it's it. it's so good. I, I A lot of people, I think, are, are buying Switches now that we're in lockdown. I think, you know, Switch is having this surge of, uh, of sales. And a few people were tweeting me like, what are your top five, you know, Switch games? What are your top five, like, Switch exclusives? I think my number one Switch exclusive is Mario Plus Rabbids. Honestly, even more than Breath of the Wild. But that's me. I'm weird. Um, but it's very, very, very good. Very, I mean, very my good. number one exclusive, you literally thought was a joke when it first was announced. So I I feel you. What was my one that, that what I was thought it? was a joke? Oh, yeah, what was it? Oh, my gosh. I'm going to talk about this every time I'm on the show. Ring Fit Adventure. It's oh, the bomb. Ring Fit Adventure. 
that's your number one exclusive? Oh, oh yeah, I guess it it's changed be. your life. It, yeah. It has to be. Yeah. Yes. I, I've lost what, like almost 30 something pounds? That's amazing. That's so that's great. So, Congrats. Wow. Thank you. That's so great. Yeah. Yeah. I hope you heard last week we were talking about it too. Uh, now it's become, you know, Ring Fit Adventure has become like. That's the hot, that's the hot thing. It's the hotness. It's like gold. You can't even find it anywhere. You can't get it. Globally. Yeah. Yeah. Trendsetter. Uh, yeah, that's cool. Right here. Very, very cool. Yeah. That's, it's all you. It's the Bashinsky effect. <laughs> they call it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, probably Breath of the Wild is my number one exclusive. But Ring Fit is great. But I'm yeah. not going to talk about it again. I'm not going <laughs> to. All right. Well, um, we have to thank our final sponsor. That is audible.com. Um, audible wants me to tell you about a new all-star comedy extravaganza, a new scripted audio commentary. I did that last week too. <laughs> audio comedy written by John Lutz of Saturday Night Live and 30 Rock. Um, this is called Escape from Virtual Island. And Paul Rudd is joined by Jack McBriar, Paula Pell, Amber Ruffin, whole bunch of your favorite comedy personalities in this genre-hopping madcap comedy adventure. It's set on a remote luxury resort island in the year 2038. And this is a place where adventure seekers flock to live out their wildest fantasies in custom-made virtual reality simulations. But when an important guest goes missing, a ragtag search party led by Paul Rudd's maladjusted resort air plunged deep into the world of VR in hopes of returning with the lost guest and some sense of reality. Starts your spring off completely lost in comedy delight. Escape from Virtual Island. You can listen free with a 30-day trial. Just go to audible.com slash virtual island or text virtual island to 500-500. Pretty cool. I've been meaning to listen to it. I, I want to. It sounds sounds great. It sounds right up my alley. Virtual reality and comedy. You had me at virtual reality. All right. Uh, we uh, we do have parting gifts coming up, so stick around for those. But this, ladies and gentlemen, concludes our episode. Uh, Lana Bashinsky, thank you so much for being here. Happy to be here. You're thank amazing. You. You're awesome. You jumped in at the last second. Christian, like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to get that internet set up in my house. Don't you worry, Jeff. And then, you know, two o'clock today, I was like calling you, Lana, and asking you to jump in and you did it graciously. And I'm so grateful. Thank you so much. Thank you. Happy, happy, happy to be here. Love it. Tell folks where they can keep up with you and uh, all your stuff uh, online. Oh, um, uh, keeping up with me online is pretty easy as one username. You can probably just Google my name. We found that out quite easily earlier. Uh, Lana Bashinsky. Um, but I also have one username for everything. Uh, Instagram, Twitter is the best to get a hold of me, probably. And that is at Latinae. That is L A T I E N I E. Um, Lana Bashinsky. And I have open DMs. I love talking about game development stuff. I love talking about video games. So if you ever want to chat about stuff, hit me up. Um, but also just hit me up publicly. I don't know why I made that so weird. Yeah, so <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't mentally prepared. Um, but anyway, Latina on Twitter is the best way to get a hold of me. <laughs> can I ask you a question? And you can totally decline to answer if you'd like. But um, your you mentioned your charcoal commissions. I did mention what it, what it, what do you, what is that about? Is that just um, people coming to you for just uh, regular two D art in charcoal, or how uh, does that work? Yeah, I, well, the commissions are. Closed for a bit because I opened them 
And then I got a lot of responses. And so it's going to take me a while to get through them. But I do, outside of my day job, um, traditional charcoal art. I do sort of long-form, realistic drawings and pop media, animal studies. Uh, I have a post fairly recently on my Twitter that shows off some of my recent works. Um, But I opened up commissions for people who wanted me to do a specific piece of art for them. And that was... Cool. So I'm working on a big Princess Leia right now, which I'm very excited wow. about. And cool. um, yeah, uh, I also, oh, very exciting. I plan on making prints of these. This will be the first time I, I'm going to make prints of my drawings. And so um, if you like Star Wars art and you like traditional charcoal mediums, a print of them, <laughs> um, I will be hopefully selling some of those in the near future. Well, I can't wait to see. That's really cool. Is it the kind of thing where you tend to do stuff that's from pop culture or just anything people ask? It's like, oh, my dog Sparky. Yeah. Another one of my commissions is somebody like, can you draw my cat but dressed like a rogue? And I'm like, absolutely. So I'll be hitting that up too. Uh, yeah, I like doing animal. And I hope you sell prints of that one too. Yeah, that one's really precise. But, you know, I hope everybody likes Toby's cool leathers. Um, uh, and and uh, my, probably my favorite thing to do personally, I like doing the pop art because it's it's fun to try and recreate some sort of classic images. But I also like doing animal anatomical studies. So I'll be like, Here, here's your dog. I drew its bones. Um, so that's a weird thing, but you could check that out too. Very, very cool. Luke, Laura, thank you so much for being here as well. Uh, it's awesome to talk to you. It's been uh, almost uh, almost exactly a year since you were last on, so we're glad to to catch up and hear you're doing well. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, I very much appreciate it. It is an absolute pleasure to to join you guys. I enjoy it every week, and then to get to to be here is all the more enjoyable. Fantastic. Well. Tell people where they can follow your stuff online. Absolutely. So uh, I host a weekly podcast called the Xbox Expansion Pass, which is an analytical look at the Xbox ecosystem uh, and celebrates kind of the good in the industry where I have developer interviews and engineers that come on or those who champion equality in games. People like Mike Bithell have been on. Uh, Steven Spawn of Able Gamers have come on the show. Uh, I just recently and started at launching uh, uh, on Monday the 4th uh, is an interview with Gamers Outreach. And you can find that on all your podcast services. It's the uh, Xbox Expansion Pass. And you can find me on Twitter at Insipid Ghost. Very, very cool. Congratulations on that. That sounds, that sounds like an awesome show. I'm going to have to check it out. Thank you. I appreciate um, it. Yeah. All right. Uh, as for me, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Kanata, which is spelled with two N's and one T. Uh, also, you can email us here at DLC by sending us the old email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. If you have questions or comments or there's a game you'd like to review that we have overlooked, please don't hesitate to send it to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Uh, I also have several other shows for you to check out if you're so inclined. I do a show about movies and TV shows called The Slash Filmcast. You can find that at slashfilmcast.com. Uh, I do a comedy science show, which you just brought back after uh, a two-year hiatus. We went for four years, won some awards, thought we could ride off into the sunset, but no. Uh, we are back two years later uh, with We Have Concerns, Anthony Carboni and I. You can find that at wehaveconcerns.com or anywhere you get podcasts. And then The Dungeon Run, which is my long-form Dungeons & Dragons podcast. Um, we are going strong during uh, the uh, the stay-at-home order and figured out a way to make the show with really 
incredible visual effects. We've got virtual reality table and the room that we, the set that we used to play on has been recreated in virtual reality. And we have um, a table and minis. It's really, you got to check it out. Uh, you can find that on YouTube by searching for The Dungeon Run. Uh, you can also listen to it as an audio podcast. It works really well as an audio podcast by searching for The Dungeon Run, wherever you get podcasts. Or you can watch it live on Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. Pacific time at caffeine.tv slash The Dungeon Run. All right. Well, let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Hey, give us a suggestion of what to do this week. Give us a parting gift. This is parting gift. Luke, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? Oh, goodness. I struggled with what to choose on this one, and I had two that I was bouncing back and forth with. But uh, my suggestion is for anybody and everybody to check out the app Comixology, uh, which is a fantastic app, which has uh, a lot of free comic books for people to read uh, in their downtime. A lot, Everything Marvel and DC, all there. Uh, there's paid subscriptions, which does like a Netflix-style subscription with tons of great books on there. Um, I really love it, and I find uh, a lot of comfort in scrolling on my tablet or phone, just reading comic books uh, as it is, because it's not—it's not like we can go out and get physical books or, or media right now uh, at the moment. So I would recommend Comicsology to anybody who uh, is mildly interested in comic books and wants to check out anything from Star Wars to Marvel to more indie stuff in the comic area. Yeah, great recommendation. And the comics industry can certainly use support right now. It is uh, being hard hit, as many industries are. So a great way to do it is to buy digital comics and support creators that way. Very, very cool. Um, Lana, do you have a parting gift? I do. And because I have no shame, I do have two. And I'm going to say both. Perfect. I love um, it. Oh, I get my uh, second one after this. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of them, very quick. I just started it last night. It's called Midnight Gospel. It's an animated series on Netflix by, oh, I hope I don't get his name wrong. I believe it's Pendleton Ward. Same guy who does Adventure Time, I think. But this is definitely not for children. But it is awesome. It's very cool and nonstop because it, I think they've taken an interview of Pendleton Ward and an individual and then just animated to it. And so the dialogue is nonstop and somewhat detached from the visuals, but they connect them. Like it's clear that it's just an interview and the visuals are something that is animated and funny and like, wow, it just keeps going and it's, it's constant and energizing and, and 22 minute episodes or whatever. I couldn't stop watching I mean, I watched two episodes, but it's like, like buzzing. Like my eyes are just stuck to the TV while it's happening. It's amazing. I think Duncan Trussell, I think is actually the person doing the interview. I could be wrong. Um, yeah. I think it's one of the, of them. Oh my gosh. But I, so I watched the first one, the one with the Dr. Drew. Um, yes. And the, the president. Oh my God. Glasses. Yeah, man. He, so the idea of this show is that. It's in the future and there's this VR simulation that allows you to – or way into all these infinite Earths that you can go to and see all these different realities. At least the first episode, they go to a reality where there was a zombie outbreak and so everyone is killing zombies constantly. But then you're also listening to Dr. Drew talk about like if there's any good drugs or is the yeah, idea like of whether a – a drug can be good or bad or has morality. It's like, 
he's an addiction med- medicine specialist. You know, th- it's a legit conversation, but it is, it, it is while he is playing this animated president of this planet, murdering zombies constantly. It's a, it's a, it's an assault on the senses and it is something very, very, there's nothing like this. It's really crazy. Yeah. It, it's awesome and such a cool visual style and like funny things are happening, but you like don't want to laugh because you don't want to miss the actual interview that's happening. It is. Yeah. Right. It's awesome. I, so I anyway, that's it. called Midnight Gospel. Uh, you would never know that it was added to Netflix just recently because there's just like, there's no advertising for it. I, it's completely buried as far as I can tell, mm-hmm. but uh, well worth checking out. Uh, what is your what is your second parting gift? So my second parting gift is going to seem a little shameless because I'm related to the person I'm, I'm now plugging, but it is also not shameless because I'm unabashedly such a sincere fan of a bad buddy. That is, I mentioned earlier, I have a twin sister and she is a musician and she is part of this band called Bad Buddy. You can check out their stuff at badbuddy.band and they are a Motown surf punk genre band that is musical with incredible harmonies with like crazy unique lyrics that are sometimes empowering and sometimes very just relatable, awesome, unique tunes they are i i the first time i saw them in concert i was like everybody was like yeah rock on and i'm like emotional because i'm like my sister's really cool like this is the coolest (laughs) thing i've experienced and their music is truly excellent so uh they do have their their debut album coming out that i've been waiting to to have her an excuse to rant about there's pre-orders now but more importantly if you sign up for their mailing list you get a free song called their first single simultaneously and you know don't buy anything if you don't want to buy anything but check out the song it's free it's run by my sister she's not going to spam you the junk mail or anything it's so good like un like detach the fact that it's my sister it's so good so please check it out I'm signing up right now. I'm on the website. Where do how do I sign up for the mailing list? Oh, um, do, at do the you very, know? If you Contact? scroll down a little, so you can't really tell because oh, sign that, up for a mailing list. There yeah, you go. Okay, that big image which I drew and is also on a shirt. If you do want to buy it's that, super <laughs> rad looking. That's a, such a cool logo. Um, yeah, sign up for the mailing list simultaneously. Right. Doing it right now. Doing it right now. Oh, it's awesome. Awesome. Very cool. Bad buddy dot band. Luke, did you want to go again? Uh, well, now I feel bad because I was also going to say a band. <laughs> I didn't say a band. This is hey, Christian's gone. All the rules are off, man. <laughs> Big Brother's not watching us. You know what I'm saying? We can do what we want. Well, the cat's away. The mice will play. Uh, well, all right, in that case, first I want to check out Bad Buddy. Uh, it's uh, my friend Lana's sister's band. It's really cool. Um, <laughs> no, I, I've been really digging uh, for a couple months now the band Highlung. They did the the song that was uh, in that uh, Hellblade Senua's uh, Senua's Saga uh, trailer. Oh, yeah. They did Senua's that sacrifice. song. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the second one. The second yeah. one. Yeah, the one that was yeah. just like, whoa, out of this world. Um, I've been looking, listening to that band, uh, which is the weirdest thing on earth. I played it in my classroom for some of my kids, some of the songs. Um, it's like a mix of, of – you could play it at a rock concert. You could also play it at like a Celtic 
uh, folk concert. They have this really weird sound. They're called Heilung. Uh, beautiful voice. The the, the woman in, in uh, vocalist has a beautiful voice. Uh, but it's war music, and it's it's sung in different languages, and they're telling tales and reading what each song is about is really cool too. Um, but their 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 music is just really cool, so I was gonna suggest that. Uh, but not before Bad Buddy. Let me just tell you right now, Bad Buddy's where it's at. <laughs> Thank you, Luke. <laughs> yes, yes, very cool. Uh, we got a listener suggested parting gift. This comes to us from Eric Arthur from Sweden. He sent this into uh, dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Uh, Eric says, I-, I just have to suggest a parting gift that has me that has had me entertained for months now, and I just can't stop watching it. It's called VFX Artists React, and it's free on YouTube. It's a show where a couple of experienced VFX artists comment on good and bad visual effects in movies, and it is so funny, but also informative at the same time. They watch everything from Bollywood movies to Lord of the Rings. And now I happen to work in the film and TV industry, but I bet this is interesting and fun, even for people who are not in the business. If you happen to have seen this already, what are your thoughts? If not, you're in for a treat. I hope everyone is well and safe in these crazy times. Thank you, Eric. Uh, I did check out VFX Artists React, and it's pretty great. It's pretty funny. Um, it, it is uh, interesting to hear their perspective on, uh, you know, we are, we all as as people who watch movies go, oh, the effects were so lame or, wow, the effects were amazing. And to hear people who actually do it for a living talking about it uh, is pretty great. So check it out. Uh, If you want to have your parting gift read on the show, you can send it to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. In fact, Eric's suggestion motivated me to change my parting gift to the following, which is, I hope both of you have seen this, by the way. Uh, There's Devs React. And uh, I think IGN is doing this thing called uh, Devs React to Speedruns. Uh, and there was one recently where the Doom Eternal developers watched a 27-minute speedrun of Doom Eternal. And if you haven't seen it, it's very much worth a Google. It is highly entertaining because these developers are, I mean, they're, they're such good sports. They're very funny and self, uh, self-effacing. Uh, they don't take themselves too seriously, but also you can tell that they're kind of ticked that someone can get through their game in 27 <laughs> minutes. Oh, it's so great. It's so great. When they're like, what is he even doing right now? How do I? And then they're like, there's three of them on what I assume is a Zoom call or some, some something similar. Um, and they're like, you know, hey, that was your that was your thing. You know, it's not supposed to be able to do that. that you, he's like, oh, yeah, well, he's not going to be able to skip this part. He's not, oh, he skipped it. Oh, he's, it's really <laughs> funny. It's so funny. And like all of the, you know, the bugs that the guy exploits to, you know, skip huge sections of the game. It's so fun to watch him do it and then have the devs go, what, how did he, why, you know, it's, eh, it's very entertaining. So, uh, devs react 27 minute, uh, doom eternal speed run. Highly recommend it. But I guess I also have to come up with a band now to recommend. Um, I recommend bad buddy. (laughs) I recommend Bad Buddy hard. My my friend's band is called White Cube. I have a friend in a band too. It's called White Cube with a Q U B E, which sounds like a white supremacy group, but it, I assure you, it is not. Uh, and it is one of my son, my three year old son's favorite bands. Uh, he listens to them, knows the lyrics to all their songs, and they're like a hardcore house band. They're like house music, like my son's favorite thing. Yeah, we put we he has a Bluetooth speaker. We put it on the front of his bike. And he plays White Cube's design flaws as we go down the 
the street on our bikes in the middle of quarantine and it's glorious. So there you go. All right. This is a fun one. We should do more episodes without Christian. (laughs) That's what I think. (laughs) This whole time I was like, oh my God, thank God Christian's not here. Right? I'm glad I'm I'm not the only one thinking it. (laughs) (laughs) We wish Christian the best in his his moving in. It's not easy to move uh, to a new house during uh, a global pandemic. But, you know, we all make our decisions, I guess. Um, (laughs) Your prerogative. But I I want... Yes, I want to send a huge thank you to Luke Lore and Lana Bashinsky for hanging out with me tonight. It has been a blast. Uh, thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for the fun bumpers. Uh, thanks to all the folks in our chat room for hanging us, uh, out with us in real time. Thank you to you for listening and uh, maybe even taking the time to rate us on your platform of choice. That does help. We appreciate it. Either way, we're grateful to have you with us. We'll be back next week. Until then. Think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.